in the critical zone you have physics, you have microbiota, you need to know about bacteria, archaea, vegetation, geology, weathering processes. So it is uh, really the Earth system in, in a box, so to say. Hello and welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, A Window on Science. This is our third season and our mission is to bring you stories of biodiversity and ecosystem research a little outside the e-science infrastructure itself. Always, of course, in the field of open science and the study of invasive alien species. Nonetheless, some of our guests in this season three will be coming from the distributed centres of LifeWatch, the national nodes. And today, in fact, it's my pleasure to have in the studio Antonello Provenzale, Director of the Institute of Geoscience at CNR, the Italian National Research Council, and Head of the Joint Research Unit of LifeWatch Italy, who's going to address the concept of the critical zone. I'm Julian Kenny, and first up, I'd like to say a massive hello to our listeners out there. It's fantastic to have your company. And good morning also to you, Antonello. Thanks for making the time for this interview. Good morning to everybody, and good morning to you. Before we get into the critical zone, maybe you could just describe, um, tell us briefly about LifeWatch Italy and the CNR. Absolutely. CNR is the largest research uh, institution in Italy. Uh, and uh, it, it has many, many different institutes working on all areas of science and, and culture. And uh, LifeWatch Italy is uh, um, coordinated by, by the CNR, but it is a large community of universities, other research centers, and it, uh, it is uh, also private uh, sector. And uh, it's very active on all the fields of biodiversity, and uh, ecosystem dynamics, from monitoring to, to modeling. I am myself a modeler, uh, at least I was trained as, as such, but uh, most of the people are doing a lot of field observations and laboratory observations. Mm. So it's this wonderful mix of, of field research and, and analysis and modeling. And this is interesting because uh, recently, we have two big pro national projects uh, on European funds that uh, involve LifeWatch Italy and, and uh, does also LifeWatch ERI uh, that um, are devoted to the National Biodiversity Future Center, which is a large uh, group of more than a thousand researchers that will be working on, on biodiversity and it will be um, a stable uh, institution that will last for, for years, and LifeWatch participates in it. And also another project will start in, in September, and it is on uh, infrastructures, European infrastructures, and LifeWatch is one of the ERIC that, uh, that is part of this project. There are 22 European infrastructures, and we do this um, attempt of coordinating the activities, the data, the models, the virtual research environments of all these virtual infrastructures as an example that could possibly be exported to, to a European level. The other thing we have mm -hmm. in Italy... So there's a lot of work going on. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's an enormous amount of work that mm -hmm. we, are, we are a little oh, right. frightened by, by this. 
But uh, the other thing is that in Italy we have the service center of LifeWatch, Eric, that is coordinated by, directed by Alberto Basse, who is a good friend and one of the pillars of LifeWatch, Eric, and we work closely together at all levels on these projects in, in LifeWatch. Yes, wonderful. So, back in June, I saw that you'd presented at an international conference on the critical zone. And I thought you'd be the right man to ask, what is the critical zone? The critical zone is a concept that was uh, uh, established and discussed at the beginning of this millennium in 2000-2001. It started from the hydrological and geoscience community in the U.S., National Science Foundation and, and the National Research Council of the U.S., and it's basically the layer that it goes from the top of vegetation canopy to the bottom of the surface aquifer, let's say to the undisturbed rock, whatever it means. I mean, rock is always a little disturbed. But uh, so it is a very thin layer that is the layer where rock meets life. So this was poetically uh, named. Uh, and it includes the soil includes the water, both surface and uh, groundwater, the biota, the microbiota, the organism, the, the vegetation, clearly. And it's the layer where basically all terrestrial ecosystems, um, well, it's the support system to all terrestrial ecosystems because most of the processes, chemical, physical, geological, biological, mm. Uh, processes that, that, that uh, support the ecosystem take, take place here. So it's a very important layer. And it's named critical because it's critical to the ecosystem and it's also critically endangered. Uh -huh. So why is it endangered? What's the problem? The pressure that uh, the anthropic pressures are very strong. I mean, climatic pressures are changing the, the temperature, for example, the soil moisture. And so the, the dynamics of the processes of, for example, carbon exchanges or carbon fluxes between soil, vegetation and atmosphere, but also pollution, also land degradation and, and loss of land surface. I mean, we study critical zone in natural environment, but the critical zone is the support also of all agricultural uh, activities. When you lose this, the, the soil and, the, and the, not only the soil in terms of texture, but the the uh, active the active processes that take place in the soil, complex processes, then you lose the ecosystem, you lose the agroecosystem. So this is endangered by all these pressures. So with all these threats, what are we, what are you doing about the critical zone? What we are doing is monitoring and modeling. Uh, we have uh, set up uh, three observatories in uh, for now. One, the, the most uh, extended one, is in the Gran Paradiso National Park. It's the first national park of Italy. This year, it, it mm. is uh, its uh, 100-year birthday. Uh, and, uh, in the we Alps, this, right? uh, Yeah, it's in the Alps, in the Western Alps. Northwestern Alps are the border with, with, with uh, nearby the border with, with France, let's say. And, uh, and um, we have there uh, um, permanent um, facilities for measuring carbon fluxes, uh, for measuring soil chemistry, uh, water chemistry, isotope 
geochemistry, and we all we go periodically. I mean, yesterday I was there for the calibration for the instruments, and so we we go all the time to to control, to check, to do measurements, and so on. So we study how the alpine grasslands, the high altitude grasslands in the alpine tundra is changing and how it behaves and what are the drivers of these changes because of course to see changes you need to measure for a long time it's only five to six years we are measuring there so but building empirical models on the dependence of the health of the critical zone on the external drivers then you can project for the future and understand uh, one practical thing we are going to start this year is to look at the area, always in high altitude, where there is natural um, uh, irrigation, just using streams, and compare it with an area where there is not this natural irrigation, and to see how the, the grassland responds in the two cases. You know, one of the big problems we have in Italy, in all the Mediterranean, is, uh, is the drought, and even in the Alps, we start to observe that. Yes. Uh, we have two other observatories, uh, always in extreme environments. One is in Svalbard, uh, Spitsbergen, and also there we measure and we go. We have co our colleagues who are there now for doing measurements. And we have also an observatory in Mount Etna, a volcano. And now studying the ecosystems on volcanoes is one of my, um, one of the things I think would be very interesting to, to do. The, the one of your passions. <laughs> Based on the measurements, we also develop uh, models which are data-based, empirical models, or process-based. And that is more my, my personal uh, activity together with other colleagues uh, in order to, to insert these models in, in larger Earth system models. And possibly, this is the current um, buzzword, Develop digital twins for this. Digital twins, which is a, a current phrase, the digital twin, yes. And as we said at the outset, this is a complex arrangement between field work, um, lab analysis, modeling, you know, projecting future scenarios. Um, and it's essential for all these parties and different disciplines to work together Um how can all this data, the results and knowledge that you get, you know, from six years of monitoring, how can this be transferred to the community? What are the critical relationships? The, we are in contact with many other uh, observatories that there are in Europe of critical zone. Uh, in France, for example, there is a network. In Spain, there are uh, observatories that are starting in Greece, there is a, uh, there are observatories. So one first thing is to have really a network of such observatories. But the other thing is that all data and all results and all models are public, are open. This is the basic, I mean, the starting point is not enough, but it's the starting point. And uh, we are now inside one of these projects that I was mentioning before. We are developing a virtual research environment for the critical zone in which we want to collect certainly our data, our results, our models and data analysis methods, but also others. And so this will be something that we will realize in the next two years, three years, to have a, a full virtual research environment devoted to critical zone, and in particular to mountains, to high mountain 
critical zones. And this would be available globally and, and dealing with data at a global level. Absolutely, absolutely. For example, in the, in the Arctic, uh, inside uh, the International Arctic Science Committee, we have now a small project for, for setting up a workshop and a network on uh, putting together the critical zone observatories in the Arctic. And there also it will be a contribution to this virtual research environment. In the Arctic, we have observatories all around the Arctic, managed by different people, different groups. And so it's very important to start sharing not only the information, but to defining common questions that we can we can address all together. Yes, it's... Um it's an enormous work. I mean, it um, yeah, covers the whole planet. It involves it's a fascinating so work. many different disciplines. It is really interesting. Um, and it's all because, if I can recap for a second. If, if I can say it's open to all contributions, because in the, in the critical zone you have physics, you have microbiota, you need to know about bacteria, archaea, vegetation, geologic weathering processes. So it is uh, really the Earth system in, in a box, so to say. <laughs> in a hologram. <laughs> Antonello, thank you very much. It's really um, it's fascinating, but you, you have helped to expand you know, my understanding, our understanding of the critical times that we live in. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to my producer, Fabrizio, who will come in and adjust these files. And, and to you, our faithful listeners out there, wherever you are, please remember, if you work in fields related to biodiversity and ecosystem research, we'd be happy to hear from you. Please get in touch. Visit our website on www.lifewatch.eu. Maybe even recommend our um, humble podcast to your friends and workmates so we can spread the word that LifeWatch Eric is contributing to these this open world of open science which promises you know a, a better future a, a brighter future because we can understand what's going on and then work together to address it so Antonello again thank you very much and to all our listeners I look forward to our next encounter here on a window on science. Thank you very much.